to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Father God, we thank you and praise you for the privilege we have of uh, looking at your word this morning. We pray that as we do, that you would speak to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I asked you if you wanted to be a wise person, your answer might be, Like to be a wise person? Yes, would I. Did that work? That was terrible, wasn't it? It was really bad. It was meant to be a Yoda impersonation. You got it? Some people got it. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Emma. I'm really pleased that at least some people got it. And maybe it was an unwise way to begin my sermon. Um, the truth is, though, I think actually we, we love to be wise. We want to be wise people. Um, sometimes it's because we observe people who are wise, people who are, are kind of really interesting to observe. I remember uh, observing some tribal farmers in Malaysia who had years of work etched on their faces. And, and that you just, you just as you observe them and listen to them speak, you, I realised, actually, life wasn't always easy. Wow, sometimes life can be hard. And actually, I should expect that life should be difficult at some times. Because, actually, that's the way it worked out. And these farmers kind of taught me that that was the case, that actually life is pretty difficult sometimes, pretty challenging. I also remember uh, conversations with a very wise woman called Pauline as I started my working life. Um, and she advised me, she said, look, when you're an employee, one of the most important things you need to do is to be honest. Uh, honest in what you do and the way you speak with people and things like that. And of course, that became very challenging when I scratched the boss's wife's car. But nonetheless, it was important to be wise and to speak honestly about those kinds of things. I suspect also that we would like to be wise, not only because we observe people who are wise, but because we know what it's like to be foolish, uh, to make choices that don't actually work out so well for us, I like choosing a job that's prestigious and then discovering that actually it has so many hours in it that you barely get to sleep during the day, or perhaps choosing to get involved in work politics, and uh, you see that kind of unravelling as you try and deal with the maze of lies and deception as people try and deal with one another and you think, wow, that was really unwise. Why did I ever get involved in the midst of that? I think most of us would like to be wise and that's a good thing because actually the Bible affirms the idea of being wise and it actually says that we have an opportunity to be wise and so that's a nice thing, isn't it? We kind of value wisdom but the Bible also affirms the fact that we can be wise. In fact, the Bible values it so much, it says this in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. Wisdom is worth more than silver. It brings more profit than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you could want is equal to it. I wonder if you've thought about wisdom like that. Nothing you could want is equal to wisdom like this. Well, if you've been with us over the past few weeks, we've been exploring this idea of wisdom, particularly through the book of Proverbs. And we've seen two fairly distinct characteristics of wisdom. The first one is that wisdom actually is a gift from God. Uh, wisdom is a self-revelation from God. 
It's not something that you can merely acquire or some kind of implanted ability within a person. It's actually a revelation from God. It's something that tells us about the universe and the way that it works. It tells us how things should be and how things should how we should act in light of the ways things are. It tells us what life is like with the grain of the universe. That's the title of our series, with the grain grain of the universe. But it also tells us that it's a gift. If it's a self-revelation, if it's something that God uh, says to us, it's a gift to us. And I want to say that's actually really hopeful. Because if we feel unwise, if we feel foolish, there's actually a chance here to be wise. And I guess that's what we're aiming at, being wise. And that leads us to the second characteristic of wisdom, and that is wisdom not only involves a knowing, an understanding, it involves a doing a task to be done in light of that understanding. And so a lot of the Proverbs we've been looking at are very practical, very hands-on, very helpful in terms of thinking about what to do in life with the grain of the universe in the way that God intended. Well, today as we come uh, continue through this series, we're going to continue to think about wisdom, but we're going to think about it not as someone who is in the Old Testament times, but as people who are on the other side of that. As we look at the Old Testament, we see that people are fairly foolish in the way they go about things. And very often this wisdom that's been displayed, that God has revealed in books like Proverbs, has been completely ignored. Now the truth is, we have no right to assume that we're any better than that. Um, We too can be fairly foolish. So how do we approach these kinds of things? Well, as Andrew reminded us a number of weeks ago, in Jesus' death and resurrection, we see an answer. You see, Jesus suffered the consequences of foolishness. He was a completely wise man, the wisest man that ever lived. But he died the death of a fool. He died in anguish and distressed, in disaster, surrounded by people mocking him. But even though he died a fool's death, he did it for a reason. Because... He died in our place. His fool's death didn't belong to him, but actually belonged to us. He uh, received the disaster that we deserve, the consequences for our folly. He suffered in our place. The only truly wise man died the death of a fool so that we might be spared the death of a fool. And so Jesus in his death and resurrection opens up for us a possibility for us to receive wisdom. He says, come to me and I will give you wisdom. I will give you freedom to listen and to learn. I will actually empower you to be wise. I will forgive you for your foolishness, but I'll leave with you my Holy Spirit in order that you might become wise. And so once again, we have a new way of looking at these words from Proverbs and understanding actually some of these things may be possible because of what Jesus has done, because he's died in our place and because he's dealt with our foolishness. He offers us a way forward. 
And so it's in this context, as we continue to think about Proverbs, I want to think briefly about the idea of work in Proverbs. And we're just going to notice a couple of things this morning as we think about work and Proverbs. One of the first things that you notice in Proverbs about work is that there's a link between work and wealth. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10 says this, lazy, verse 4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. You see the link there? Diligent hands bring wealth. Now, of course, that, if you think about it, is not always the case, is it? Uh, sometimes people seem to be very diligent and they don't seem to produce wealth. I have a cousin who for many years worked in nursing homes serving older people there um, as a nurse and then she spent many years in orphanages in China caring for people. She's now older, she has MS and she has no money. She's worked diligently for years and years and years and served other people but actually she's in pretty tough times. Her family supports her and she's able to cope But actually, it hasn't produced wealth. So I guess we need to acknowledge that sometimes that's not always true. But that's not all that can be said, can it? It is true that sometimes when people are diligent, wealth comes about. But we need to understand the link between work and wealth to understand how that happens and what happens at that point. And so... This proverb is helping us understand things, but it's not trying to tell us everything about the link between wealth and work. Come with me to Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 to 5, where we see this link about being diligent and wealth spelled out a little bit more, or at least some insight into it. Do not wear yourself out to get rich, do not trust your own cleverness. But, cast, but a glance, cast a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off like a sky, off to the sky like an eagle. The sense is that riches are fleeting. There is a link between diligent work and being rich, but also we need to be careful, because if we make that link too strongly if the reason that we work is for those riches and to become more and more and more wealthy then we might find ourselves in a difficult position because actually riches can be fleeting we can think we're very clever that we've become rich that we've amassed all these goods that we have all this material wealth but actually it can disappear Really quickly. And that's actually what happens in the New Testament uh, passage that we heard a little bit earlier today. The parable that Jesus tells. You might remember the parable where uh, there's a certain uh, rich man and his fields yield an abundant harvest. Now, what's fascinating about that little statement there is it's his fields that yield abundant harvest. He might have been clever about uh, farming, but actually it's not him that's produced the crop. He might think he's been particularly clever about doing this, but actually it's his fields that have produced the crop. A drought could have struck. He could have been wiped out. But nonetheless, he thinks it's his own cleverness. He thinks it's his own way of working that has produced these things. 
And he says in verse 17, what will I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I'll store up my grain surplus and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. And then God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things themselves but is not rich towards God. Jesus in this parable is again acknowledging the link between work and wealth. But he's pointing out that wealth can actually be fading. It can be taken away from you very quickly. It can just disappear. So beware how much you work for and why you are working. Work is important, but if you're working for wealth, then you may well find out that it's fleeting. If you think you've been clever, well, think again. God has provided you with all the resources that you have, everything that you need, the gifts and ability to create that wealth, even the things that are the wealth. Think again. Be, be, be wise. Now, of course, the implication overall is that wealth can and does, sorry, work can and does lead us to value other things that are not eternal can lead us to overvalue things like our wealth or power or recognition. Work can put us in a place where we don't actually recognise God, we don't fear God for who he is. And the Proverbs here are reminding us to put work in perspective, to understand, yes, it does generate wealth, but actually it has a particular place in our world, a particular a purpose. And it's not about us just getting wealthy. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Now, we've noticed the link between work and wealth, but there's another link here that's worth noticing as well. And we saw it uh, in verse 10 and verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs is concerned that even if there is a link between wealth and work, that whatever we do, whatever work we do, We need to do it diligently. And I guess the main way that Proverbs expresses this this idea of diligence is in the way that it's anti-being lazy. It really is against being lazy. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, 26 says this, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Can you imagine that? Smoke to the eyes, vinegar to the teeth. Terrible. Image is quite strong. Or in Proverbs 26, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in a dish, he's too lazy to bring it to his mouth. Or my favourite, and I'll tell you in a moment why. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider his way and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, 
a little slumber, a folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. I particularly love that one because my grandfather, who retired at 50 because he had a spot on his lung, used to come in to where I was sleeping on the veranda in the freezing cold in winter because there was no lining, it was just freezing. And he'd come in on a Saturday morning and he'd say, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the... Ra- what? You're not working? It's my only day off? What are you doing? <laughs> it was quite a funny moment. I could never quite put the two together. He was this man who'd... Ret- he actually lived to 99 and 11 months. So 50 years of his life was spent not working. It's like, what? I don't, I don't get this. Anyway, enough raving on about my grandfather. The point is that this passage is, uh, Proverbs continues to remind us not to be lazy, to be diligent in our work. Why is this so important? Why is it important not to be lazy, to be diligent in our work? Well, I think most of us are familiar with the idea that the Bible is very, sees work as something to do with stewardship, our stewardship of the earth's resources. Now, it's not only interested in that, it's also interested in the idea that work has a social function. Work provides for families, for communities, and for nations. Now, by the way, if you're interested in this, the link between faith and work, uh, we're actually going to be spending a fair bit of time on that next year in a a small group, a Gotham group, a Gotham fellowship, it's called. Uh, And if you're interested in exploring that a bit further, please talk to me afterwards because we're getting a group of people together, uh, about 10 of us next year, to look at faith and work in detail over the year, uh, meeting in a small group regularly to do that. The point here, though, is that work has a social function. I guess we see that most in, in a number of different passages within Proverbs, but one of the ones that stands out to me is Proverbs 31. Uh, verses 10 to 20. Now, we're going to come back to this passage a little bit later on in our series, but I just wanted to look at it from a work kind of perspective. It speaks of a wife of noble character. And I actually think it speaks about someone who's good at their work. Uh, Some people like to apply it specifically to wives, but I think it's speaking more generally here as well. And it says, She is far more, more worth than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her. She lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with her eager hands. She's like merchant ships, bring her food from afar. She gets up while it's night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the tasks she sees uh, that she, her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. What we have a picture of here is a woman who is providing for her family and her family's servants. It's like a small industry taking place here. And this woman who is valued for her work is providing for the needs of others in her family and beyond. But not only that, you see that comment at the the end there, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. So work has this social function. 
It has this way of helping us in our societies run and, and provide for people's needs. So to be lazy, to not be diligent, is to fail to provide for the needs of others. So often we think work is about us and about what we do. But actually, Proverbs is reminding us work has another function. It has a social function. It has a way of providing for the needs of those around us in our families, but beyond our families, to those who are in need as well. In fact, failing to provide for the needs of others is actually failing to love our neighbours as ourselves. Now, the New Testament also picks up these kinds of themes about providing for the needs of others. In 1 Timothy 5.8, we read, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's very powerful words. Ephesians 4 verse 28 says, Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful for their hands, that they might have something to share with those who are in need. Now, it's interesting to see how the New Testament takes that and continues to say, actually, that's what work is about. Work has a contribution to make to our society, to our families and to those who are in need. Interestingly, the New Testament also takes this a little step further in in 1 Thessalonians, where it says that work becomes an example, the way we go about work becomes an example to others. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 12. And make it your ambition to live a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life might win the respect of outsiders so that you will not be dependent on anyone. Diligence at work actually is an example to other people. And I think what Paul is saying here is actually promotes the proclamation of the gospel. People will notice if you're diligent at work, if you're not lazy, if you don't cut corners. And that will give you entry into their lives in a different way. Now, time and time again, I've spoken to people where this has actually happened where people have made efforts to be diligent in the workplace and they're seen as honest and upright people and people come and speak to them. I remember an engineer friend of mine who who deals with sewerage. He's been dealing with sewerage for 25 years. It's a long time to be dealing with sewerage. And he one day said to me, what on earth do I... why, why, Why am I at work doing this? Well, I said, first of all, it's really important that the sewerage works. And I think this is a very important thing that you should be doing. And as part of contributing to our society, I think it's a fantastic thing. I think God's called you to do it. Keep doing it. But actually, the way you handle yourself at work is important as well. And so we talked about that a little bit further. And he said, yes, actually, you're right. I'm just amazed, after all these years, the number of people who come to me to seek advice about what to do about their families and their marriages and their children. He's been a man who's diligent at his work. He's not lazy. He's committed to doing his work well. And that has given him entry into the lives of others. And I think Proverbs is reminding us of those things. 
that work actually performs this social function. It provides for the needs of others. There are places in which we can get engaged and the New Testament is taking that, that, that step further and saying actually it's a place where you can also promote the gospel by the way that you live. Now those are two fairly important principles to be holding on to, aren't they? You can see where if you hold on to one and not the other, you might go awry. Or you hold on to the idea that work produced wealth and that and then provided for your family, how that might suddenly start to look a bit odd. How many conversations have I had with men who've said to me, I'm working these long hours, I'm working hour after hour because I want to provide for my family. I want to make sure they're wealthy and comfortable. And you think, really? It's great to provide for your family. I want to affirm you about providing for your family. The Proverbs here are saying, provide for the needs of your family. But they're also saying, be wary if it's just about producing wealth. Be wary. Work can lead you astray in different ways and in different places. It can lead you not to worship the Lord your God. It can lead you away from worshipping him. And so be wary in your workplace. Yes, provide for the needs of others. But actually there's something else to work that you need to be careful about, particularly between the link between wealth and work. Well, those are just some insights from Proverbs on the whole idea of work. And I guess what I want us to do is continue to think about what that actually means for us in our daily lives. For me, it means I'm very happy to pay my taxes. I think it's a good thing to pay your taxes because you're providing for the needs of others in your community. Now, you might not always like the way they're spent, and I certainly don't agree with all the ways they're spent, But actually, it's important to do that because you're providing for the needs of the community. It means we set aside uh, money as a family to give to those who are in need because we think it's important. It means we take care of our family where we can to provide for their needs as well. It means that we also think, though, about how how many hours we work. And I know this is where this hits home for me. It's easy for me to work many, many hours and to forget to be emotionally available for my family and for my friends. And so Proverbs speaks to my heart at this point, at this time. I wonder how it speaks to your heart. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for the privilege of looking at your word this morning. And we ask that as we listen to your wisdom that we might become truly wise, not because of our own efforts, but because of what you have done for us in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.